now tuned in to the cold hard truth Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. with Sandy. 
K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Morning. Oh, we're on. on. We're on. She's not on. We are taking control. Taking over. Good morning, CMR land. How is everybody doing? Start sending your messages now. Yep. Morning. Good morning. Uh, oh, there you there are. Oh, yeah, how's it going? We're on a different one altogether. Everything's What's good. That? No, I said my mic setting. It was on the wrong mic. Uh, how's COVID central? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. Is everyone feeling okay still? Yes. Um, we just did a lateral flow test, so we're going to do another one in a little bit. And? So I need to do mine. Well, that one is positive. Oh, no. For G? Yes. No. Oh. Did you just find this out? Oh, my gosh. Like, like this just happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like I, oh. I just literally took it. So I'm just You're like, like no. how is she feeling? If you you know, it looks a lot like a pregnancy test, and I feel like people yeah. react the same way to it. <laughs> yes. Where you're like, Well, no one's happy no. about that one though. I know, I know. Maybe some yeah. people are happy when they get a positive pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. This That's one nice. nobody's happy to see the positive. They're like, No, put it back. Oh no. Well, well, you know what? Then Good on you guys for uh, kind of waiting it out and staying home, or else you would have caused a whole another place to have to go. Uh, you know, but again, it's not that big of a deal. It's it, you know, it, it it's hard for kids to not have to go to school. But wow, hopefully, you know, hopefully you can make it out. How with do the you feel? Do you feel like you've got it? Um, you know, I'm I have sinus issues because of the weather. Mm -hmm. so of course, yeah. I feel like that could be it. I mean, I don't know. I'm vaccinated. That's, now so it's all in your head. Yeah, I don't know if that's like psychosomatic or so. I'm, I'm gonna test in a little bit as well. Mm. Maybe I should do my test on the show. <laughs> do it right now. Do we it should. live. Some people. Don't, I don't Everybody think some people. Find out. Everybody will find out with me. Yeah. Um, how long did it take for her uh, for the positive sh to show up on the? You know, because they say wait 15 to 30 minutes. Was it pretty immediate? It seems like it was within a minute. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's what uh, that's what I thought. Let's do the swab. Yeah. I'm thinking well, do you do you have to PCR test now or is that like it's a definite? No, I there's all sorts of things about people who do the lateral flow and then they're like, Yeah, then I go do a PCR test. The PCR test is something different. So I don't think you do. I think you just have to lateral flow until it's negative. Well, I think once you, you lateral float and you get a positive, you have to report it. Well, you report it, but you just yeah. have to lateral flow till you're negative. I think uh, well, I'm sure they'll tell you actually, yeah, but that's tell you. from what I understand from what my friends had to do. They didn't have to go and do an actual COVID test. Let's yeah. uh, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Let's get the swabs going. Let's swab <laughs> that nose. Let's test. Let's test right now live. Let's see. If um, Sandy, let's see. If you, Sandy's back COVID. You'll have to you'll have to wait a minute while I go get the actual swab. <laughs> yeah, we can wait. Okay, well this let's breaking news. let's let's talk about the fact that our uh, vaccine, the DMS vaccine drive. Yeah, Monday. We'll, we'll talk about that. Ooh, all right, hold on. Let me go get yeah. my little swab and kit. All so right, we'll chit chat on. amongst ourselves with uh, your followers. Yes. Sounds so when so she's gone, then we can really say what we know. <laughs> uh yeah, we were talking about the DMS vaccine drive and the one hundred thousand dollar giveaway, which we were doing back uh, over the summer months yeah and i believe it ended in i want to say september somewhere no october no 
Somewhere around there. October. It was October, yeah. yeah. When we were supposed to be opening. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Remember those days. So it's been a month. few weeks because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. Yeah. So the DMS vaccine drive, $100,000 cash giveaway is happening this Monday. Yes. November 22nd. It will all take place at 10 a.m. during a live government press conference this coming Monday. Now, there is one today at 3 p.m., but there will also be another one on Monday for the cash giveaway. That will be live streamed like all the others on CIG's YouTube, Facebook channels, uh, and CMR, of course. A single winner has been randomly selected from almost 50,000 entries. And the winner is verified for full vaccination, residency, and legal proof of mm -hmm. address. So again, it may be you. If you've been vaccinated in one of the 56,000 entries during that time period, you could be winning that $100,000 cash. Blake and I could win. We could We're win. We're in the draw. We are eligible. Sandy's in the draw. Coming up oh, on Monday at 10 a.m. It, it might be. I don't know. We don't know. It could be anyone at this moment. I, I don't even know. Two people know, maybe. Double vaccinated by the deadline. Yeah. Yep. That's it. So you've got your swabs. All right. So hold on. I'm opening everything up. Okay. Uh, you're going to be at the um, the $100,000 giveaway as well on Monday. Well, we're going to see here in a second. <laughs> well, that's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> that is true. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to find out if I'm going to be anywhere. All now, right. let's, because this, have you ever done this live on your show? So, no, to show people no, how it's this done? Definitely, this is definitely an exclusive. All right. Um, <laughs> so, I feel like I should tell my, my, um, my WhatsApp group about to do this now. I'm sure a lot of them want to. Should we put our masks on? <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to shout out really quick to Larry uh, McBerty. He spelled my name correctly today. All right, Asking Larry. Blake and Aaron to play some David Bowie. All right, Larry. Uh, good request. Anyway, Larry. Larry seems to really love music. Yeah, that's He's awesome. Music. He's a music lover. The problem is, Larry, when, when Sandy plays music. Uh, it's not $1,000. It, it's $100,000 giveaway. Yeah, it's yes. not a thousand, it's hundred thousand. One hundred thousand. Yeah. Hundred G's. Add a couple more zeros. When we play copyrighted music on Facebook, which is yeah, what Yeah, I guess we block Larry, so we can't be doing it that. Be blocked. So, so we, we can play what? we can only play like fifteen to yeah. twenty seconds. Um so pick a what what song really quick? Let's what? dance. Okay. I mean there's like fifty thousand better ones, but yes. That's all we can play. We'll play it on uh, on air later. All yeah. right, Sandy, let's swab that nose. All right, all right. Give me, give me a second here. Give me a second here. Okay. Takes a minute to to get everything together. I like how they made these boxes with the little holder in it. That's that was a yeah. So you can put all all the infection in the plastic bags. <laughs> yeah, that will yes, go in the ocean. Oh. God, Maybe. I can't imagine all these masks and stuff, what we're doing to... Uh, Sarah says, uh, sorry, Sarah, Sarah, ah, Sarah says, should play Major Tom while she's doing the test. That's a good one. Yeah. Sarah. <laughs> you have that one? I'm going to just... I'm, I don't want people to see me but actually home? digging in my nose because I'm, I'm really... I'm OCD about these sorts of things, so I'm going to just fine. turn my camera off while I do that part. All right, you do that. Oh, you don't want right, okay. Here comes the swab. Okay. All right. All right. So five times. Face oddity. One, two, three, four, five. And then go to the next nostril. 
You know, this is the hardest part for me doing it in both nostrils because I'm like, get a new swab. Brown control. Okay. Sandy Hill. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going to twirl it around for 30 seconds. Yeah. One, 100, two, 100. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, you have to do it for a little bit. Tickle your. Yeah, about 30 seconds. Tickle your little. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Septum. What's in there? <laughs> tickle your septum. Deviated septum. Don't they always say that? Is that a septum? I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, is that a, that's a good pickup line. How'd <laughs> you, you want like me your, to tickle your septum? You like, want me to tickle your septum? Ooh. No, I don't know. Ooh, this went weird. I don't know. It that didn't did. sound very good. <laughs> yeah, it did. All right. So then we're going to squeeze it and do it another five times. Mm hmm. By the way, if you're just tuning in, Sandy Hill uh, may be potentially COVID 19 positive. All right. We're doing so, a lateral flow test live. Yeah. Putting my swab in, in my biohazard bag. Robin, Robin Lucy says you usually do throat first and then a nostril. No, it's always in the nostril. It's never been <laughs> no, a No, not this you test. Robin, your throat? Throat? Never been in the throat. <laughs> I don't know what test you're doing. Yeah, Robin, <laughs> oh, you went we, to the wrong doctor. Right, so what are we talking about? I don't know. Strep, first, that strep throat test, throat, but you know you gotta you gotta call about forty hours ahead of time. To get uh, any, a strep or, throat test. any orifice, orifice, orifice will work. <laughs> orifice right, will work. So. orifice. Yeah. That, that well, be... my septum—it's only your septum. Okay, only I feel the septum. like I always have to read. All right, let's see you drop it in. Yeah, I just dropped it in. I was oh, you did? Let's see. Show us the on camera. The, the oh, Daisy England did a oh. nose emoji. Should I? Should I, I, I don't know if I should pick it up while it's still rendering a result, right? I shouldn't probably touch it. I don't know. Does that impact it in any way? No, you can hold it up just so we can see that it's... <laughs> I can hold it up. Hold on. What are you doing with your... <laughs> it's like all oh, it looks like you're cupping things. Hold it up. All right. So I got all my stuff in the biohazard <laughs> bag. <laughs> in your bio biohazard bag? All right. So hold on now. Let me read the instructions again. Now you have to do the four drops. Did in? you put it in? Yeah. Uh, did you put it in the oh, thing okay. and squeeze yeah, it around? Yeah, I did my four drops. Now you, wanna, now you just wait. You just wait. That's it. Yeah, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to touch it after I did the four. I've drops. I've done thousands but, of these already. I feel like on yeah. Ethan. You should get a uh, a, a red line across. Expert. Across. Uh, do you have two? to wait the full um, fifteen minutes, or as soon as you see a result, then you you think that's good? When well, you see a result, you, you then it's says, no, 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 no. It says read the result when the timer reaches 15 to 30 minutes, yeah. not yes. read after 30 minutes. But yes, but it's before any time. It just don't go after. It's anything from now till then. Yeah, right now you should see a red line maybe across the C. You yeah. see that? that, that That's you, the control. That means, you, yeah, you've done the yeah. test correctly. Okay. Well, so. don't, don't hold it that way. That's what I was saying. Yeah, don't I'll hold it that way. Keep it flat. <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, also, you know, G's too young to be vaccinated, yeah, but you are vaccinated, so oh, yeah. there's you know, there's a good chance that you're more protected, yes. <laughs> and I did a lot of I did PCR tests on Sunday as well, and I was negative, so okay, I'm yeah. holding out that I might be the only one who's likely know, if you were positive. Possible. It would you would have a uh, a line across the T right now. Yeah, I think so too. And right now you don't have that. Nope. All right, I, think I bet you're good. good. I think you're good right, right now. 
So now what do you do? So do you just stay in that room? I was going to say, yeah, does G go and stay with Marlon? And like, I know. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking about the logistics of this. I think, yeah, uh, I think it's, you're going to have to mask up in your own house. And so while we wait just another minute or two, any uh, headlines uh, for this morning? I hear this. Oh, right. Of course. That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> I heard there was a bad wreck last night. Was there? The motorcycle. Oh, last night. Hmm. I think so, right? Was that on your. We didn't seen? hear about that one, actually. No. No. Wait, what do we look? Um, we do have a, a bit of a. We were um, correcting fake news that was circulating late yesterday. Okay. Where um, people were saying that a five year old had died from COVID. No. She was sending out a picture of a kid. What? And he came out. Yeah. And I You're contacted sick. the grandparent. Once somebody said, oh, this is who the child's grandparents are, I contacted the grandmother. And they were like, absolutely not. They no. don't know where that rumor got started. And so we had to put up a little thing saying, hey, folks, stop stop spreading this rumor. This is not good. And they sent around a picture of a kid? Yeah. He had tested positive yesterday. But okay. he's perfectly fine. I mean, he was at home playing and whatever. And people were messaging me saying that they had heard that he had died. And I was like, are you kidding? So, of course, I went directly to family. Oh, and said, yeah. what? Like, they were shocked because they hadn't heard it yet. And so they were shocked and they dispelled that rumor very, very quickly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that that's, that's horrible. Um, uh, I, I do have some numbers for you as far as cases. Um, yes. So for the week of November 7th through the 13th, uh, there was an average of 202 new COVID-19 cases per day. Overall, 51% of the cases were female, 49 were male. The ages of positive cases ranged from two months to 96 years old. With an average age of 31, most of the cases are in the workforce. Uh, one, was under, one was under one year of age. 354 were under the age of 18 uh, and, and 17 People were over the age of 70. Wow. Uh, 31% were fully vaccinated. 3% had one shot. 67% of the positives were unvaccinated. Hmm. It's pretty telling. Yep. 67%. Yep. Yeah. So. And I mean, we, ahead of those numbers, we actually got some COVID-19 dashboard numbers that came from like within the HSA about their hospitalization. So I don't think they normally release this information, but we were able to get a little exclusive here. So what we know is um, this was as of the 16th, which would have been Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. um, at 7 a.m., they had uh, 19 persons in the hospital down from the 21. And two were admitted in the last 24 hours at that point, and four had been discharged. So this gives you an idea of how people are going and coming, right? Yeah. And then they actually have, which I thought was kind of interesting, the location of the patients. So exactly where they are. So we saw the general ward, which again is good. Uh, most people are there at 14 individuals, one on the pediatric ward. So that is a child. Um, critical care unit, they had four persons. Hmm. And one person remained on ventilator as of Tuesday morning. Oh, ventilator, but, really? Yeah. Yeah, I wow. think I told you guys about this person because she's she was a big anti-vaxxer, ironically. No way. Mm -hmm. Don't say. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear that. All you had to do was not get yeah. a hurricane award. Um, yeah, so she's a she's a big anti-vaxxer. And and in fact, she was refusing treatment at the hospital and telling them she wanted ivermectin. Ivermectin. Them, 
Why is why are people still doing this? She's telling them how to treat. I've, ne I've never heard of such a thing, but she's telling them how to treat her. I mean, it's it's amazing that you can do this with COVID. You wouldn't go in the hospital and tell your doctor how to treat you for cancer and what um, what course to give you of, um, you know, radiation or um, what's the other one that they give you if you have cancer? Radiation or um, chemo. Chemo. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't do that. So no, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, so, yep, six um, supplemental oxygen. Um, and then we had, of those numbers, 13 unvaccinated, six fully vaccinated, and nobody partially vaccinated. So, again, you know, very telling, more than half. I think this worked out to be 68% or something mm -hmm. unvaccinated that are actually in the hospital. All righty. So, well, um, press conference today, three o'clock. Yes. So we'll get a bit more information in terms of the reopening of the borders, which is coming up quickly in two days. And um, I suppose people have a lot of questions about how certain things are going to um, have happen. It's going to happen yeah. in two days. Yeah. Wow. Are you so still, negative? still negative? Yeah, still negative. I Good. Think I, I pick it up today. Excellent. Yeah, negative. Good job. All right. Well, glad you're negative you and uh, stay uh, stay negative. And we'll see you tomorrow. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Bye. Have a good day. You too. All right. Catch you tomorrow. All right, folks. What a ting. What a ting. Good morning, Omeria. <laughs> she says, OMG, Sandy, you're so brave. I'm going to do one myself this morning. Um. For me, the, the worst part is like going from one nostril to the next because I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. So I'm like, no, I should get a new Q-tip for the other nostril. <laughs> Clearly, that's not how they'd want you to do it. So we follow the instructions precisely. And uh, yeah, so according to the result interpretation, um, only the control line C and no tests uh, line T appears. This means that no covid no SARS-CoV-2 antigen was detected. Negative test results indicate that you're unlikely to currently have COVID-19 disease. Continue to follow applicable rules and protective measures. But, you know, let's be honest now. If Gigi is positive, that means that I'm actually in bed with her sleeping every night. So probably my chances of getting it have just increased exponentially. Catherine, it is $100,000. <clears throat> Believe it or not, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, yes, just see here. So we got a missing cat in the um, Newlands area, Northward area. I'll post it up in just a little bit. So yes, you know, we're all kind of going through it right now with family members and kids and what you gonna do? Just keep on keeping on. Um, and you know, the thing, the reality of it, this is one of the reasons why you got a lateral flow test every day is you could be negative at this moment in time by tomorrow, you're showing a positive result. So we'll keep um, lateral flow testing um 
We lateral flow tested her yesterday and yesterday she was fine. So this just goes to show you. So Aaron says, good day. I have a question. Could a person be considered securely verifiable if they receive two dose vaccine in a country outside of Cayman with no QR code, but received their booster shot in Cayman and has a QR code for the booster alone? It's hmm. a good question. Let me uh, grab it and ask it. Um, <clears throat> We have a, a few questions, actually, that we're going to be sending across to um, the officials. Uh, so Robin says, pretty sure those are the same tests we have in the UK and instructions are to swab your throat, then nose. No, 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 definitely not. There's no mention in the instructions of anything to do with um, your throat at all. This is FlowFlex, SARS antigen 2 test. And there's nothing in here that says anything about, can you guys see the instructions? No throat, just nasal. Steps one through 12, it's nasal only. So I don't know what test you all got in the UK, honey child, but it ain't this one. Um, Blissful Powell says, you remember the story in Australia while I ask you if you can check and share with the Cayman people what rules have been in place, shocking. Limited people can visit your house, helicopter around the skies, check in for lawbreakers, no dancing, no eating. Can you see if these are real rules in place? It's interesting to hear this. Unvaccinated people rules. Well, it wasn't Australia that I was talking about. I think it was Austria on Monday that implemented... Um, some new rules. So Carol says, yes, the UK does throat and then those, ew, that's disgusting actually. I mean, I feel disgusted enough that I have to go from one nostril to the next, but throat to nose. I mean, I know they're all interconnected, but that would like, I'd rather just go do PCR tests. Like honestly, I don't think I would do a lateral flow test myself if I had to do my throat first and then my nose. That would just make me like, oh my God, I think I would literally throw up. Can't do that one. The germ, the germ factor there for me is just too much. <laughs> mm -mm. Certain things I'm just not about, and that would have to be one of them. Um, yeah, that's weird. Happy Thanksgiving. Is it Canadian Thanksgiving? Whose Thanksgiving is it? I feel like Canadian Thanksgiving happened already. Whose Thanksgiving is it? Oh, happy Thursday. Oh my gosh, Scott. <laughs> I have Thanksgiving in the brain because I totally read that as happy Thanksgiving. I was like, it's not American Thanksgiving. Whose Thanksgiving is it? Woohoo. Good morning, Hero Blair. Pastor, how are you? Um, Catherine says that's even better. Yeah. A hundred G's versus a thousand. My dear. You know, that's a big difference on your mortgage, especially if that's what you're planning on doing with it. Uh, Lily says she's in bed sick today. Aw, try to relax, Lily. Um, Marshall, they are out there doing and saying the most. Now they're running to the hospital, but shame on those who's telling the doctors how to treat them. She's crazy. It is crazy. In fact, remember that case I was telling you guys about yesterday where the... Um, there was a husband and wife. I think they were both positive, but she had um, was dictating 
they sued the um, hospital and the judges said, listen, we're not getting in the business of telling a doctor how to administer treatment to his patients. So that was the final decision, right? And she ended up dying of COVID. And um, what was so interesting about that situation is a uh, Florida woman too, very, very interesting. So Fox 13 of Tampa Bay had it out. This is Palm Beach Gardens, so right there in Florida. And um, she died, 47-year-old Florida teacher, hospitalized with COVID-19, died um, after her husband was unsuccessful in forcing doctors to treat her with ivermectin. So this is 12 weeks after she was admitted to the hospital to Palm Beach Gardens Medical Center. And, you know, the interesting thing about this is not only were they trying to, because the judge said, listen, if you, if you guys can individually come to terms with what you want to do, um, then you can do that. But obviously um, you can't, we can't dictate to a physician, well, you need to treat your patients with this and this is how much you are supposed to give them. But I think the hospital was willing to meet them halfway, right? So this is what they said. He urged the Drox and the hospital, that's the name of the, the couple, to reach an agreement on their own. A deal fell apart after a doctor agreed to administer Iver, ivermectin at a dosage the family's attorney said was too low. So not only do they want to tell you what drug to give them, but they actually want to tell you the dosage. Based on what? To me, that's like crazy. So the husband, he was infected, but he recovered. And uh, now he's saying that he wants to have a law named after his wife so that no one has to go through this again. Go through what? Leaving your medical history, your medical treatment, dosage treatment to the experts who know what trials and and what, you know, medicine has been accepted for. It's just crazy. I mean, I'm going to walk in and tell a doctor, this is what I want you to, um, to treat my, like, this is the dosage. It's just unbelievable. So this is trending. USA Today had it up 22 hours ago. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Tamara Drock, 47 years old, of Locachi, Florida, died 12 weeks after being admitted to the hospital. He only sued last week, by the way, which is interesting. And then there was another case of a nurse demanding her husband be treated with ivermectin for COVID-19. This was back in September. Um, so that's a problem as well. So yeah, it's crazy. Really, really crazy. Uh, um, 
So this says that the doctor, let me tell you about this particular one, denied a request to force doctors at a Louisville hospital to treat a COVID-19 patient with the drug ivermectin. So again, ivermectin is primarily used to treat parasites in livestock. It is not approved by the Food and Drug Administration as a treatment for COVID-19. So Angela Underwood filed a lawsuit September 9th in Jefferson County Circuit Court attempting to compel doctors to give her husband Lonnie the drug to treat COVID-19, but the court records indicate she's representing herself in the case. She won't even get a lawyer. But as a registered nurse, she said, I demand my husband be administered ivermectin, whether by a Norton physician or another healthcare provider of my choosing, including myself, if necessary. <laughs> she wants to do it. Maybe she wants to kill her husband. Probably got a good life insurance plan on him. Um, Underwood wrote in her complaint, which was later amended to request that her husband be treated with uh, intravenous vitamin C. <clears throat> so she went from ivermectin to intravenous vitamin C. And she's a nurse. You can imagine that, right? So the judge's decision echoes that of an Ohio ruling this month that made a Cincinnati area hospital that said a Cincinnati area hospital could not be compelled to administer ivermectin to COVID-19 patients after doctors refused to use the drug. Um, so it says, you know, people have uh, the CDC, um, major medical groups and the CDC have cautioned against the use of ivermectin. It's still spiked across the country. Now, here's the funny thing. The Kentucky Poison Control Center has said it has seen an increase in calls related to misuse of ivermectin. So people are trying to use it and do not know what they're doing. And those are the same people who are telling doctors how to administer it and what dosages they should give. <clears throat> so it goes on to say, still, the drug has been promoted as a treatment by some prominent conservatives, including former President Donald Trump. Um, Underwood claimed that the hospital would not allow her husband's doctor to treat her husband with the drug, but according to the ruling, that doctor who wrote an emergency privileges order to give the man ivermectin did not have privileges at the hospital where Lonnie Underwood was being treated or at the hospital providing care for critically ill COVID patients. So she found basically what this is, she's a nurse and she found someone who's like-minded and sounds a little cracked like her and um, they you know, we're in cahoots, but the hospital's like, he doesn't even have privileges here. So um, here's what the hospital said. According to the hospital, the doctor refused to come see his patient. <laughs> Aren't these, these, these cases, like when you really get into the details, they are a little bit humorous. If, if somebody's life wasn't on the line, like this is just totally funny, all right? So he refused to come and see his patient Jefferson Circuit Judge um, Charles Cunning Cunningham wrote, um, oops, sorry, I just went backwards. In the ruling, he added that the court cannot require a hospital to literally take orders from someone who does not routinely issue such orders. And Cunningham wrote that Underwood could try to find a hospital that believes in the efficacy of these therapies. And that's where she's got a problem. Because the entire hospital, though you may have one or two rogue doctors, an entire hospital isn't likely to be found that is going to treat someone with that. Um, the ruling goes on to say, this is impractical because it is um, unlikely that no such hospital in the United States or certainly in this region agrees with the plaintiff. This is what the judge wrote. 
Circuit Judge Charles Cunningham, which is what I was just saying, right? Good luck trying to find that hospital. Impractical because it is un, it is likely that no such hospital in the United States or certainly in this region agrees with the plaintiff. Moreover, her husband's medical circumstances may make such a transfer unjustifiably risky. So now we have quite a few cases mounting where the judges are saying no. Um, so initially, Circuit Judge Judith McDonald Berkman did order the hospital to treat Lonnie Underwood with ivermectin, uh, quote, if medically indicated and ordered by an appropriate physician, according to court records. Court records show the same judge granted on Tuesday an emergency injunction to administer intravenous vitamin C. So you're always going to have one or two doctors that are outside the realm of what medical science proves and obviously judges as well. But Cunningham stepped in as judge when reconsidering the case due to scheduling conflict with the other judge. And a spokesperson for North Norton Healthcare directed a reporter um, to the court ruling when asked for comment. The wife had no immediate response to message seeking comment. Um, so you've got an Ohio ruling, a Florida ruling, uh, so in the Ohio one, it was with a 51 year old, <clears throat> his wife was trying to get, his wife, Julie, was trying to get him ivermectin. Um, so yeah. So she had a doctor who prescribed it, Dr. Fred Wagschels, but the hospital refused to administer it. So um, in that case, the judge said, everyone involved wants Jeff Smith to get better, simply stated, there's no bad actors in this case, just the bad of a worldwide pandemic, COVID-19. The judge said it is impossible not to feel sympathetic for Julie Smith, who's the guardian for her husband. But he went on to say that he must leave emotions out of the decision and rule that Smith and her lawyers did not overcome the high burden needed to maintain the injunction. Ivermectin, again, is an antiparasitic treatment commonly used for livestock and is recommended for the FDA to treat infections caused by some parasitic worms in humans as well as head lice and rosacea. And um, none of the major medical organizations recommend the drug as a treatment for COVID-19. And the CDC has warned reports of poisoning related to the use of ivermectin increased threefold this year, spiking in July. So y'all poisoning yourselves in the name of um, trying to treat COVID. Poisoning yourself with ivermectin, but you still won't get a vaccine. It's it, To me, it's it's... It's shocking the way that people really think. Um, Oster said that there's no clear evidence ivermectin is effective against COVID-19, and that was not presented in court, and that he must also consider the rights of the hospital and the impact that forcing a hospital to give a drug could have. He says the FDA, the CDC, the AMA, the APHAA, and doctors of Westchester Hospital do not believe that ivermectin should be used to, to treat COVID-19. He said that Jeffrey Smith could be moved to another hospital where the drug could be administered. But once again, 
There's no such hospital that they've been able to find. Um, so, yeah. He go, the judge, uh, it says here in his ruling, Oster, who, rec who recalled Supreme Court Justice Antonio Scalia, um, who despised people burning the Amer American flag, but twice upheld the constitutionality of doing so, said that COVID has ravaged the world. However, the rule of law must be followed once the court system is involved. The law in its purest form shall have neither hatred nor sympathy to anyone or anything. It shall stand unwavering in its true truth, justice, and fairness to all. And then the hospital in this case actually said that the ruling is positive in regards to the respect for science and the expertise of medical professionals and reiterated that COVID-19 is still a threat. They said at UC Health, we respect the expertise of our clinicians and appreciate the scientific rigor used to develop treatments, medications, and other therapies. We do not believe that hospitals or clinicians should be ordered to administer medications and or therapies, especially unproven medications and or therapies against medical advice. And that's what they had to say in the matter. So numerous cases now, folks, um, none of them have been successful. So Carol um, says, yes, the UK has that one. My sister had to do them and she says she nearly gags during the throat part. Yes. Uh, Miss Lily says these are the best ones. I do these myself. Good morning, Rocio. Uh, Joy San, good morning. So you should stay home if you know how to be treated and treat yourself. Um, I mean, most people can stay home and just take um, something for the symptoms. It's not a situation where um, you need to do anything beyond that. So Lydia missed it. There's my test results. Can you all see it? Hold on. Yeah. Negative. Negative. So, so far so good. Um, so Britta says there's an article I read that some of them are getting the vaccine, but then trying to rid their bodies of it of stuff like borax. I'm telling you, people, borax isn't borax. Um, borax, as in the, um, it's not a, a like. Hold on, <laughs> let me look this up. Borax powder. Okay. Yeah, this is what they use in detergents. Uh, okay. Now here's here's the ridiculousness of that, um, Britta. <laughs> Borax in the EU, EU, the European Union, um, they ban borax on claims of impacts on reproductive health, following studies in mice and rats. They found um, the study crucially relates to borax acid, uh, boric acid, sorry, not borax, and investigates the reproductive effects of boron exposure in workers employed in a borax acid production plant. 
Hmm. So it's probably not the kind of thing that you might want to be ingesting. So there is borax and then there's borax substitute. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't be messing around with that if I were them. Uh, oh, here we go. Just one day ago. Thank you. Britta for bringing this to our attention because I certainly had not seen this. Well, let's have a look at this one. The things you learn every day about what people are willing to do. Literally people are willing to kill themselves in the name of um, not taking the vaccine, which to me is um, absolutely crazy. But let's have a look at this Borax thing that's trending. This was just a day ago, Britta. So thank you for sharing this because I was certainly unaware. Let's turn up the volume. To these detox bath conspiracies. I shake my head. I am not the one with a medical degree. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, even with a medical degree, hearing these um, suggestions, detox baths, incredibly, incredibly disturbing. I think the anti-vaccine movement uh, is becoming, um, you know, even more concerned that their efforts are not working. So they're even targeting people who have already been vaccinated. Um, and they're suggesting techniques that are potentially life-threatening. Borax is a cleaning agent that has been banned by the FDA because it's associated with uh, organ damage and death if you ingest this, uh, this product. And so it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But I just speak, I think, speaks to how desperate uh, the anti-vaccine movement has become. COVID cases are on the rise nationwide. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy warns the trend could worsen in the next few months. Take a listen. As winter does approach, people do go indoors, and the virus is also better able to transmit in cold, dry air. So we know that increases the possibility that there will be spread. So talk to me about transmission and what we should expect, as Surgeon General says there, as we head into winter months, as people tend to yeah. be indoors more. What, is it, what does that actually tell us? So Alicia, we have about only 58% of the population that is um, fully vaccinated. So we still have about 42% that is not. Um, and, and we have in, only in seven states mask mandates as we're heading into cold weather. People are gonna be socializing indoors. We have. Thanksgiving and other, uh, you know, winter holidays coming up. And so, you know, we are definitely going to see another surge. There is modeling out of the University of Washington that is predicting another surge. Um, the question is how big it will be. Um, but the fact is, is that we have tools in place to prevent these surges. We need to put, you know, mask mandates back in. We need to focus on ventilation and filtration, encourage vaccines. You know, every family should be receiving, uh, you know, free rapid tests in the mail, as well as high quality N95 masks. So there's much more policy-wise 
that could be done to blunt this next surge. Right, you have continually beat the drum on that question of <laughs> equity and how many people have access yeah. to some of these tools. I do want to ask you, you know, this past week we saw sort of amazing images of families reuniting, um, people who hadn't seen each other in two, three years, but many across Latin America are receiving vaccines that aren't yet approved by the World Health Organization, so they won't be allowed to enter the U.S. to visit their family. Can you give us a sense of what level of protection these other vaccines offer? So, you know, um, here in the U.S., we have the most rigorous uh, review process for therapeutics through the FDA's uh, process. And so it really is hard to say these other vaccines, um, their efficacy is definitely less than the mRNA vaccines. Um, so it does remain to be seen. Um, I, you know, we know that travel bans overall are actually quite ineffective at preventing spread of the virus. Um, but I think the goal really should be in terms of setting up hubs in, these, in, in the global south. Um, including in Latin America, so that we can produce these really effective mRNA vaccines um, that work so well. Understanding the... All right, folks, so uh, travel bans, not effective. Y'all heard it ahead of our opening of our borders. Um, but borax baths as a COVID-19 vaccine detox. Wow. Mm. Um, you know, when you think you've heard it all and then you see something like this and you're like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, it doesn't even, it does not even make any sense to me. Uh, uh, I don't know. It just blows my little mind. My poor little mind is just like, what? All right, so um, we do have some questions that we're gonna be sending through um, to Travel Keyman. And um, I'm gonna, let me just do this now. So before I forget again, a few questions. From our viewers. Uh, all right, so I do have one answer which I'm going to give you guys. So no, yesterday, one of the questions that came up was um, what about people? Because Jamaica is in a little bit of a quandary because of their overall low vaccination rates. Um, so <clears throat> let me just see what this other question was that came in this morning. So the question is um, whether or not the person that like someone could travel in between, like say they went from Jamaica to the US and then they came to Cayman, if they could sort of bypass the um, requirement that they quarantine for the 10 days. Because remember, if you're coming from a country that has a first dose vaccination rate of 60% or less or less than 60%, you're not eligible to, even if you're vaccinated, you're not eligible to not quarantine. So we went over that yesterday and somebody did say, hmm, I could see how people would um, take advantage of that. And we know people will definitely take advantage of it if they can figure it and get through it. And so what I have been told is not so quick, Speedy Gonzalez. Um, what they will do is 
You can't do that. So if you're using it as a country of transit, you won't be able to come in. You're still, if you come in, you'll still have to quarantine unless you stay in that other jurisdiction for at least 14 days. So that's kind of interesting. So basically, um, let me just tell you exactly. Hold on one second. So, oh, that was another question. So if you spend 14 days or more in the third country, they can take the vaccination record of that country. So if you're willing to go through the U.S. and you stay there for um, 14 days and then come on to Cayman, you can take the vaccination record. So if the U.S. has, I don't know what their percentage, what their, you know, say they have 80% or whatever, which by the way, what does, what is the U.S., we need to look at the U.S. vaccination rate for first dosages. So you could take on the U.S. vaccination rate coming in. Now, I don't know how many people would do that to avoid um, quarantining because you almost kind of put yourself in a position where even just traveling through another country, especially if you have no um, like real reason to be there other than trying to get to the Cayman Islands, you might as well just quarantine because you're going to have to stay there for 14 days anyway, <laughs> you know? So you might as well take the 10 days and call it a day, right? So um, that part kind of doesn't really make any sense. So let's have a look at, um, let me just see here. Um, let's just have a look at a few things here. So I'm going to send these questions to Travel came out. We might get a response maybe before the show is open or before the show is closed. So I'm going to just send in these questions. Uh, so we got the third country uh, question answered. So we knew about that one. What else were we, there was another question yesterday as well. Um, okay. So we also wanted to ask about the GPS trackers. Do we have enough of those? And then the days two, five, and 10, like who's going to be monitoring that? So let me just quickly put these questions in. Um, number All right, so there's a press, uh, press briefing that's going to be happening this evening in relation to the border reopening. So let's make sure that we all tune in for that. Um, all right, so I've shot those questions over. So let's see if we can get a response there. Okay. Um, da, 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 da. Very good. Additional update. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, good. I uh, will hopefully get a response to those pronto. 
We shall see. All right, let me see your questions. Britta, thanks for sharing that link. Uh, Britta says the key really is to continue wearing that mask and keep that distance, hand washing, all the stuff that we know is that works. Nona says, Sarah's question, when I take my kids on vacation in December and return a week later, they can't use, they, why can't I use lateral flow tests on them daily and send them to school as long as they're negative instead of having to quarantine for 14 days? Well, I think, you know, they've already answered this a couple of times. It says that this will disrupt their learning. What is the difference from school children who live with a positive household member? They're allowed to attend school as long as they're negative, but my kids won't be allowed to attend school even if they're negative. Um, and I think that just speaks to um, the potential risk of um, involved in traveling. So, you know, I'll ask the question again, but that has been um, what we've been told. Like they're not ready to do that quite yet with, with, um, with, travel, with ch children traveling. Mitzi, good morning. Andre, thank you so much. Sonia, good morning. Uh, Kashina says, I'm thinking the same thing too. They should look into this and allow them to use a test daily. Um, so we will ask the question. We will definitely ask the question. Uh, Cornelius is joining us from St. Lucia's. Thank you so much for tuning in. So Britta says, I think it's because it could take up to 14 days to make itself known and they should, it could be carriers. My husband can't even leave town or his work will make him quarantine for 10 days. And which, where, where do you guys live, Britta? I'm curious. Um, so Yvette says, leaving from Cayman to Jamaica fully vaccinated. Do you have to quarantine when coming back from Jamaica? I think the answer is going to be yes, because Jamaica still has that less than 60%. So you're still coming from a country, but let me confirm. You're still coming from a country that has less than 60% for the first dose. So don't forget, folks, that when you get a positive PCR test now, you have to report it. I'm going to give you guys the link. Um, save this in case... Um, uh in case you get a positive piece uh, positive lateral flow test you have to self-report so make sure you guys have got that um Right. All right. Uh, there you have it. Thank you very much. So self-reporting, gov.ky backstroke report dash COVID dash result. Make sure you get that done. Um, obviously, I have to do that this morning. And uh, let me just see here what else we got. All right. So we were yesterday working on um, 
going through the website, which we will continue today, for looking at how to um, essentially, you know, if you're traveling after the 20th, after Saturday, or traveling on Saturday, you know, I would hope that if you were traveling on, on Saturday, you would have done this already, <laughs> because it's probably a little bit late. Uh, it doesn't say how far in advance you should be seeking to, um, like, do any of this, to be honest. But, I mean, common sense dictates to do it as early as possible. And then the other thing is, do you purchase your ticket first and then um, apply? Mm. Um, we have an answer for you, Yvette. The answer is, drum roll, please, no quarantine if vaccinated in Cayman. So that's good. So it's where you're vaccinated, apparently. So if you're vaccinated in Cayman, even if you travel to Jamaica, um, you'll be okay. All right. So someone just sent me their test result and they said, is that positive? Literally someone just sent me there like, is that positive? Tell me. No, you're not pregnant. Um, so folks, I know the instructions can be confusing and this is where I know that people need a little bit of help. So why don't we go over this a little bit? Um, this is a negative, right? So, you know, these instructions, I know Dr. Lee did an actual video demonstrating um, how to do it, how to do the, um, the lateral flow test. But um, at the end of the day, it's always useful, I think, to try to read the instructions. Now, there are 12 steps and the instructions are not overly complicated, but I know a lot of people still would struggle with this. Um, let's be honest, not everyone is able to read at a certain level. They do kind of have photos um, that go with it. But, you know, um, I thought the video tutorial was actually quite good on how to do it. So basically, uh, I did it this morning. You saw that it was fairly easy and straightforward. Let's talk about the interpretation of results. So if you get the C, which we just saw in that picture. So let's have a look at this again. This result means that you are negative. So at this particular time, the no SARS-CoV-2 antigen was detected. That's a better way of saying it. I mean, but still, it's counted as a negative test result. Indicates that you're unlikely to currently have COVID-19 disease. So listen carefully to how it says it, unlikely. It doesn't say a thousand percent or a hundred percent certainty because there is a margin of error, folks. Um, these tests are not a hundred percent. Right. So what that means then is that in relation to if you have a the C and the T that's red, that means that when you have both the control line and the test line appears red, that means that the COVID-2 antigens were detected. Any faint line in the last and the sorry test line region, which is the T, should be considered a positive. So it can be faint or really, really strong. And the point is, if you've got a line by the T, regardless of how faint it is, you should consider that a positive. 
Now, if you have a control line where C doesn't appear, so let's look at it again. So you have nothing where C is, and then you have a line by T, that means that it's an invalid test and not enough specimen was done or something was done incorrectly. So in that case, if you have a line by T alone, you should report it, or sorry, you should redo the test basically. Um, so re-administer the test. So it says to review the instructions and repeat the test again with a new cassette. So obviously don't reuse the one that you've just used, right? So redo the test completely. So C is negative, two lines, positive, no matter how faint that last one is. And then um, T alone by itself means that you should redo the test. So um, good morning to Miss Alice. So like I said, uh, that's how it is. This is a nasal swab. Uh, don't forget tonight, folks, we're going to have um, some some physicians on, actually. One from Jamaica. Um, Kevin, again, has lined up a fantastic array of guests for the program. So we have Jamaica, Dr. Hold on one second. got to give you all their names here. And then we've got a, a medical director from Florida. So we've got Dr. Douglas Street from Montego Bay, Jamaica. He'll be joining the program. And we have Dr. Paul uh, Batterjee, I think is how it's pronounced, medical director for Polk County there. And um, both of these gentlemen come with a lot of experience and um, you know accolades behind their names. So let me just have a quick look here at what we're talking about. So we've got Dr. Douglas Street. He's a general practitioner and works at the Trident Medical Complex in Montego Bay, Jamaica. He's also one of the leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church at Glendivan, working in health and youth ministries. And he's the host of a show called Health and Healing, which airs on 91.7 FM um, at 5.30 PM on Wednesdays. Author of several books, and so he'll be joining the show. And then we have Dr. Paul Banerjee, who is the medical director of Polk County Fire Rescue, Polk County Sheriff's Office SWAT team, Lake County's Sheriff's Office, and Lake Technical College um, EMS program for Florida. Dr. Banerjee serves in a, as an associate medical director for um, Osceola Regional Medical Center, board certified in emergency medicine, and also is an associate professor in emergency medicine at the University of Central Florida School of Medicine. Whoa, lots of credentials there. So tune in this evening at um, seven and um, that will be who you'll wanna speak with. Uh, there's also a health webinar. Someone has just sent me this. The Partners let me see, Interventional Center of Jamaica is ha actually having a um, heart failure webinar on November the 21st from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. And they've got a lineup of people, um, University of Ottawa, Dr. Victor Elliott, um, I can't quite make out some of the fine print there, but anyway, if you're interested in this one, I'll post it up on the website as well. So um, I'll, I'll post it on social media, sorry. So lots of uh, good information there. Um,
Okay. All right. Um, so that's it. Someone says, is it the same for parents with infants going to Jamaica that are fully vaccinated? So remember, anytime you travel with children, you got you got to quarantine. So the, the children who are unable to get vaccinated, who are unvaccinated, changes the game completely. So unfortunately, um, yeah. So someone says the comparison of our tests for COVID-19 with other countries is wrong. We have a high percentage of our residents tested while the other countries have a low percentage of their residents tested and it's chalk and cheese. Um, yeah, I mean, we listen, the key to this has always been to test, 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 so that you have an idea of what is going on. Um, obviously, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where, um, yes, that's a little bit better. Just send me the URL, the source file. Um, yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, folks, um, you've got to, you know, you've just got to know that a, a positive right now isn't something anybody needs to freak out about. It just is what it is. And um, in the UK, it says lateral flow tests to be introduced for vaccinated international arrivals. So that's interesting. Um, so the UK government, this is on their gov.ky website, says that from October the 24th, which will be next week, Wednesday, fully vaccinated passengers and most under 18 arriving in England um, from countries not on the red list can take a cheaper lateral flow test. Hmm. Okay. Um, that's interesting because didn't they do away with the, the list anyway? They're, the UK is very, their policy seems to be all over the place. They confuse me. I don't know what the hell they're talking about um, half the time. So listen, yesterday was um, international or world Premier day, premature day. And so um, it's always a special place in my heart for preemies around the world, because many of you will know that my daughter was a preemie. She was born uh, a month early. And it was just one of those situations where the entire pregnancy, she was very, very tiny. And the doctor always kind of wondered, you know, what was going on. And, you know, at one point he said, we never want to take a baby early. That's never a goal because your body has a role to play, right? So your body is meant to carry the child and we try to get your body to do its job for as long as it can. But there comes a point when, when again, this is the doctors having to give you medical advice. And I'm not saying that they always get it right or the doctors are perfect because they're humans too. And, and medicine isn't a perfected science, right? It's not perfect. Uh, it's the best that we got. And in some instances, depending on what's wrong with you, it's actually pretty darn good. So there's certain surgeries that work really well, certain medications that work really well, you know, and you've got to sometimes listen to the experts. It's not you. You didn't go to, I didn't go to medical school. So I can be Dr. Google and Dr. Facebook all I want, but physicians who've gone to medical school, who've gone through the ropes, who've had years of experience, frontline, they've seen different things, you know, you need to listen to those individuals even if you're going to then undertake some additional 
um, research on your own. And it's, there's nothing wrong with getting second, third, fourth opinions. You know, when um, with my daughter, we first discovered that she wasn't growing really well. The first thing that Dr. Deer Saran said was, let's get you overseas to speak to an expert. Because I'm an OBGYN, but they're experts who can really look at you and do an in-depth scan that we don't even have the equipment came on for. So let's get you to Miami and see what they think. And so I did go to Miami and I saw Dr. Um, oh my God, I can't even remember his name now. Hold on. I think I still have it in my email. You know, I, I like to follow up with these physicians. Um, I think he was University of Miami. And just let them know, like check in and say, hey, you know, this is five years later. We're all good. Um, let me see if I can find his name. This would have been 2016. I believe he was the University of Miami. Yes, his name, let me see if I can get it. Let me see now, 2016. Um, hmm. 2016. Uh, I'll have to go back and see if I can find him actually. But anyway, um, he recommended a particular physician. And of course I was cleared to, um, uh, but this guy was, a, he was, um, he was a big time, I forget all his titles that he had, but he was a real expert in everything. And he was also an expert in um, genetic, um, diseases and stuff. So I know for sure that, you know, uh, one of the things that the doctors will tell you is that if a child um, is showing growth issues, then you definitely want to, um, you definitely want to, University of Miami, I'm trying to remember what his name was now. Um, you definitely want to try to figure out why a baby isn't growing. So there's a number of different reasons why that could be, right? And I've said this before on this program, I think that any woman who goes through pregnancy, um, people need to appreciate the toll that it takes in her body, how much it actually takes to have a baby, even for women who appear to have perfect pregnancies. You know, some women lose their hair, they lose, you know, lots of nutrients, like all sorts of crazy stuff happen as a result of the hormonal changes. Even your eyesight is impacted by co by, by childbirth um, and the entire pregnancy, you know, uh, cycle. And so I saw this doctor, I'm, I'm going to look up his name. I can't remember right now, but, you know, he ran a battery of tests and they ask you a million questions about your family history. And I was like calling one of my older sisters because a lot of the questions I didn't even know. And I was like, okay, do we have this in the family? Do we have that in the family? And we got all kind of comorbidities in the family. Let's put it that way. And so they wanted to know everything to see if there's anything specific that they should be looking for. And, you know, he did a battery of tests and he did an in-depth hour long ultrasound. And at the end of the day, he said, after that visit, he said, you know, for whatever reason, your placenta doesn't seem to be supporting this pregnancy as well as it should be. And on the scan, it actually showed certain areas where there was not the necessary blood flow um, to support 
you know, the baby. And he said, this is concerning. Uh, we don't know, necessarily know why this is happening. But if you're my patient, I would send you straight away over to the hospital at University of Miami, and you would remain on bed rest for the rest of the pregnancy. And this was like it. This was like three, four months in. And I was like, bed rest for the rest of the pregnancy. That's like six months in Miami. I'm like, wow, I don't have the luxury, unfortunately, of, of doing that. Like, I can't stay in Miami for six months on bed rest. So what else? What are my options? And he said, well, if you can't do that, then your options are. And he laid out, you know, what we needed to do. So it was constant monitoring every single week. Um, every other week, there was different types of monitoring that he wanted. So maybe one week it was like an ultrasound. The next week it was whatever. And, you know, one of the interesting things that happened is early on in my pregnancy, you know, there's a new blood test. So uh, the amniocentesis is a test where they actually put the needle in to your stomach and they take out a sample of the um, uh, embryonic fluid. There are risks that come with that, right? So there's a newer test um, that is just blood work and I forget what it's called. Uh, let me tell you. It's called a, um, so the amniocentesis obviously can test for a lot of different things, right? So the amniotic fluid actually um, sheds from the fetus. And in that sample, they can look for like, they can do a chromosome analysis and look for different things. So when I think you're of um, a certain age, there is a recommendation that you do it because, you know, you would want to know if you're going to be having a special needs child, for example, right? So it's called the CVS. I think this is the one. And it can actually be performed very early in the pregnancy. So CVS is an alternative to the amniocentesis, and it is, that stands for uh, chorionic villus sampling. And it can, it can diagnose some diseases and, you know, some birth defects, right? So um, genetic testing is recommended for women 35 and older when you're having a baby. And... Um, that was done and the first sample came back inconclusive i was like okay and it's not a cheap test by the way as as medical tests go so it came back inconclusive and he said okay let's do it again but of course this time now you got to pay out of pocket because you know your insurance will only cover it once so we did it again and it came back inconclusive again and apparently what was happening is um later on we determined that because the baby was so small the sample it just wasn't picking an picking up enough of a sample size to actually give you any kind of an indicator or reading. So Dr. Dearson said at the time, he said, you know, um, the issue with this is in most cases, he's found that where that test is coming back inconclusive, that is normally a, um, that is normally a, um, That is normally an indicator that something is actually wrong, that you need to be concerned. And I remember just being so, like, he was telling me this stuff. And I think that, I think Dr. T, Dr. Diosano was looking at me like, I don't know that this is really sinking in because I was just very, very calm. 
And I said, listen, um, there's certain things that are just outside of your control in life. And in my case, this is, this is going to be one of those situations where I'm going to, what is, what is that saying about let go and let God, <laughs> you know, you just have to recognize that you have no control over this. There are things that you can do. So you can try to eat, you can try to be as healthy as you can during the remainder of the pregnancy, you know, eat healthier and all these sorts of things. But what, what am I supposed to do? So when I went to Miami, the guy said, okay, here, here's the treatment protocol. I'm going to send this to your physician. This is what we're going to recommend. Okay, fine. So we're doing all this testing. And then um, Dr. Deerstrand said, oh, we can do an amnio. So after two basically failed tests for the CVS, we could do the amnio. And the guy in Miami said, no. He said, do not do it. He said, if you do the amnio this far in your pregnancy, the chances of you losing the baby are significantly when you do it. So that means that you really are going into this situation completely blind, not knowing anything of what's happening. So what are you going to do? So we just kept monitoring the pregnancy, coming along. And then I remember at eight months, I went in for a checkup and Dr. Jusran said, okay, um, you know, we we finally knew it was going to be a girl and all these other things. And he said, hmm. The at eight months, this is where you should be. You're all the way in the bottom, like three percent, four percent percentile wise, right? Of this child's body weight, the head size. Now, remember, we're right in the middle of a pandemic right now, so you guys know how scary COVID is. And let me tell you something you guys might not remember Zika, but this was the height of the whole Zika situation. And I'd had to go to Miami a couple of times during the pregnancy. So they were like, oh, were you ever bitten by a mosquito? Did this happen? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember if I got bitten by mosquitoes. So there was the concern of this being like a Zika case, right? Because they're like, okay, the baby's head is like this, but we don't really see anything, but we can't 100% tell. I mean, this isn't like it's a photo perfect, you know, scan that you're doing. So indications were like, mm, we don't really know, right? So anyway... Um, at eight months, he said, listen, the circumference, like the percentage has dropped again. We've got a month left. Your body has done the most that it can do. That's it. You can't do any more. So I said that we take this baby, we go ahead and schedule C-section. We take this baby and then, you know, the baby's out. We can get a better idea of what's going on with the baby. The medical professionals are here. We've got a uh, neonatal, um, neonetician. She's only expert. She just arrived on island, Dr. Sarah Watkins. So this was literally, um, Trinke was the one who brought Dr. Sarah here. And she, I was one of her, if not her first patient, right? And she has, you know, years of, of experience. And so um, he's like, we just got to do it. So in preparation for the C-section, we've got to give you a steroid shot because one of the biggest concerns with the preemie is the lung development not being where it should be. So a steroid shot will help to boost up the lung development before, you know, days ahead of, it was one of those painful shots I've ever had actually. But, um, so we did all that. We scheduled C-section, had the baby. Thankfully there were no complications actually during the, um, the C-section process and she was here. And I remember thinking, okay, now what? You know, you shed a few tears, I think. I don't know if every mother cries when she has her first child, but for me, it was just a very emotional experience. It's like, oh my God. There's another life that I'm responsible for. Oh my God, this is so crazy. And um, we met some people in the maternity ward as well as the NICU. First of all, the NICU staff 
since yesterday was World Premier Day, let me just say they are the most amazing set of professionals ever. I mean, all of the nurses were so amazing and so caring and so wonderful. I cannot say enough about the maternity ward. Now, I know the HSA takes a hit a lot of times. We complain about how long it takes in the ER, and but their maternity ward is top-notch and amazing. I mean, as a woman, you know that after you've had a baby, you've had a C-section, you've got to get up and you've got to start moving. And the first couple of days is extremely rough. And, you know, you've got people who are going to come and help you get out of bed and help you get a bath. And it's just, they are amazing. Um, there's a young lady, she's no longer there. She's actually at Doctors Express now, I believe. Um, oh, I can't remember her name now, but... Uh, Every time I see her, I just want to like hug her to pieces. She's just so, she was our, um, our midwife. And she is just, again, absolutely amazing young lady um, from the UK. So yeah, you know, turns out she was really fine. We did all the initial tests and whatever. Doctor looked her over. I think for the first week she was on, um, on oxygen. And then they were able to take her off of that. She was able to breathe on her own. And the biggest thing why she was there for an entire month was trying to get that weight up because she's worn at four ounces, four pounds, one ounce, just trying to get that that um, that weight up and to make sure that we were ready to take home a preemie baby because a preemie baby, it's not like she's eight pounds and like, okay, you got something solid in your hands. You got to really, you know, be comfortable enough dealing with a preemie, especially if this is your first child, right? And so, you know, they were very, very, like they went through everything with us. And at one point, I remember Dr. Sarah saying, listen, we've done all these tests. And we don't see anything obviously wrong with her, right? She seems fine. She actually seems very, very alert, especially for a preemie. Like she was already like really looking at stuff like within the first week. And she's like, you know, I think this baby's going to be fine. But what we have to do is we just have to wait and see what happens. We will see as she develops, as you go through her developmental markers, if there's anything that we need to be concerned about. And that's how, that's, that's the medical advice from this point on. We could continue testing out the wazoo, thinking she's got something. And at this stage, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. It doesn't make any sense to, to keep testing and to keep, you know what I'm saying? Let's just wait and see what happens. So I said, okay. There was another couple, and I want to give a really big shout out to them. I actually saw um, the husband post yesterday on his social media um, for World Premie Day. Um, their name is um, L. Carcamo and Wilmer. And they had a little baby boy who was in the NICU. His name is Max at the exact same time that Gianna was there. So we got to meet them. And, you know, you uh, tragedy or similar circumstances force you to make a bond with people that ordinarily your paths in life probably would have never even crossed. Right. So I want to give them a big shout out. They're amazing parents. Um, they're actually back in the UK, but this is their little son, Max. And um, cute, handsome little fella. And there he was here in the NICU um, days after our daughter was born in August. He was there as well. And I remember being a little bit jealous of them because they are so amazing. Like just they're, they're like, you know how some people just exude how much they love life. For me, this was them. Like I was just like, oh my God, they're such amazing people. And she was producing so much milk. Can I just tell you? She was like a milk machine. <laughs> so much so that the um, ward was like, uh, listen, 
don't bring us any more milk because we can't take any more. <laughs> You're producing too much. You know, we're not in a position to take any more milk. And so it was like, what? Yeah. So he was born at 35 weeks and he was in the NICU with Gianna. There's also a set of twins in there. Um, interestingly enough, there was more boys um, being born in the hospital than girls, which is so interesting. I don't know what our ratio is, but, you know, um, I think Gianna, and there's only her at one point, And then at some point there's another little girl, but there were just not that many little girls in the NICU. So um, anyway, their little boy, you know, was in there and then Gianna got out and he got out. And I remember seeing them at Christmas time and they were saying to me that if, um, that they were going home for, for Christmas and basically, you know, the advice that Dr. Sarah, again, talk about following your doctor's advice that Dr. Sarah said to them, I think we're missing something here. So when you go back to the UK, because it is going to be cheaper for you to do testing and she's a UK citizen, I want you to um, have some additional genetic testing done because she felt like there was something more with the baby. And um, they said, okay. And they went and they, they did it. And unfortunately, um, their son does have a very unusual um situation he's like missing a chromosome i think it is so rare apparently that um they don't even have a name for it yet like that's how rare it is i was so saddened to hear that this was the prognosis for them you know i was like rooting for them i'm like oh my god they're the best parents ever they're so young and so full of life and they're just amazing and you know, you just have all these hopes for them. And um, unfortunately, this little boy will have a lifelong list of issues. So, you know, we considered ourselves so incredibly um, fortunate to, um, you know, despite having gone through the preemie experience, to not having any long-term issues, right? That she's fine. She has um, met and exceeded all of her developmental markers. You know, even when they do like the little building block thing and they see how quickly they do it, the doctor's like, oh, wow, she did that pretty quickly. You know, that's above average intelligence or whatever. So, you know, as a parent, um, you're always happy um, to see those things. So basically, um, We've kept with, in touch with them and, um, you know, he has to do a lot of things in terms of his breathing. So I think he does have, um, you know, like he'll never walk and he's got breathing issues and, you know, he's going to have severe um, developmental issues for the remainder of his life. And his mom did a post where she like explained it and it really just broke my heart to even hear, you know, how uh, she had to explain it to people. But you know, they're real troopers and my heart always goes out to them. Um, and it's just like, you just, you absolutely never know what is going to happen with babies. So World Premier Day, um, you know, is a day for us to just pause and think about women and babies who were born uh, prematurely. And um, for some people who are fortunate enough, like in my case, that doesn't necessarily indicate much for their long-term prognosis. 
So the doctor said she's going to be tiny, she's going to be petite, but other than that, she's fine. Um, and for other people like Al and Wilmer, you know, the actual diagnosis is um, isn't good. Um, so it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate situation, but it is you know. You know, it's. I guess it's a learning experience in life for all of us. And I think that any parent who has a special needs child, my heart goes out to them because I think it takes a special kind of person to be able to deal with uh, that particular situation that life throws at you. So um, my apologies for like going off there on a total rant. Uh, um, Alice Hunter, Andrea says, um, can't go home for Christmas as I can't afford quarantine money and I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. Not if you're traveling with kids, I guess. Um, so Alma says some people are getting C on their lateral flow tests and then they do a PCR test and it says positive. Well, let's remember Alma that a lateral flow test is not a hundred percent and that would explain why that's happening. So yes, there have been people um, who that has happened to. I'm trying to see if we can get some numbers. I mean, I've heard numbers upwards of 90% um, or 90 something percent in terms of the efficacy uh, or accuracy, I should say. But yeah, it just depends. So um, one website here says that the results show that lateral flow tests are more than 80% effective at detecting any level of COVID-19 infection and likely 90% effective at detecting those that are most infectious. So a much higher level of accuracy than previous studies had actually suggested. And this was um, October of October 25th that this came out. So, I mean, that's a bit of good news. So yes, there's still 20% um, that they could be wrong, you know, but um, I think it, it gives you a good indication. So this was a study that was published in the clinical epidemiology. Uh, it concluded that LFTs are a reliable public health tool in stopping the spread of the virus. So let us remember folks, this is really, really important as we talk about this virus again, there's no perfect solutions. So there is no perfect, you know, um, virus, there's no perfect vaccine. No vaccine is gonna give you 100% protection. And it's all about trying to layer protection upon protection um, of kind of, you know, where you're at. So the lateral flow test is a tool, a public health tool, as it rightfully said, that will help us as a community try to manage our situation. So like right now we've got positives in our household. We know that those individuals need to stay home um, and they don't need to be out mingling with people. I myself, although I am negative and I can do a daily lateral flow test and go out and about, I will limit my movements um, to an extreme degree as well. So, um, you know, this is, is some of it. Now let's have a quick look at uh, Dr. Lee making a statement on the reopening of the borders. Reopening is really exciting for everyone. I mean, it's a chance for us to get back to normal life, for us all to travel just as to welcome the guests. So, and I'm really looking forward to that time. I think it's showing that Cayman is moving forward 
um, and I'm one of those that's really excited about it. As far as the incoming tourists are concerned and possible infection rates, um, we have to remember that everybody that's coming in as a tourist, we're requiring in phase four to be fully vaccinated. So that's giving us a good deal of protection from any um, incoming infections. Additionally, we have put in place some particular requirements in that um, only those who are coming from a country with a high vaccination rate, over 60%, will be eligible for the no quarantine period or if they've been securely verified. Um, and um, that the number of countries that have secure verification is, is not as great as, as and is, is, that's not very prevalent amongst our neighbors. The other additional factor, or two factors rather, are firstly, many of the tourists that come don't actually stay very long. So the average length of stay here is about five days. So we can imagine that somebody coming for a long weekend will have had their PCR test before they boarded the plane and then they'll be going back home actually really relatively quickly. And that needs to be taken into account when we're considering the, um, the impact of people coming to the island who might be bringing infections. The other thing is that unlike some of our countries, we've actually put a, a lot of controls and protections around um, the non-pharmaceutical measures that we have. So we'll continue to be asking people to wear masks to distance um, and to practice hand hygiene. And we all have been very good at doing this sort of thing within the Cayman Islands and we are going to be encouraging our guests and our visitors to do the same. All right, folks. Um, so, you know, ahead of the border reopening, I think that we all need to get more comfortable with the idea and, and exactly what it means. Um, we have an individual responsibility. So listen, mask, I've ordered more than enough for my household. And every month I'm going to order another batch because you're not supposed to wear masks forever. Right. So I have the black ones, um, the N, what is it called? The N whatever, N95 mask. And um, over the weekend, I saw someone actually wearing theirs upside down because they said it was more comfortable because, you know, it has that little, it's almost like a little metal thing on the bridge of the nose where you put it here. But you've got to make sure that even your mask is like properly fitted. So I see people wearing masks that are not properly fitted and, you know, they're wearing shields and the shield doesn't offer you. If you wear a mask and a shield, that's a different situation. Wearing just a shield isn't going to work. And remember what I told you guys before, uh, places like Foster's will not allow you in with just a shield. You can put on a mask and a shield. So my friend went with just his shield the other day and he's like, oh, Foster's turned me away. And I said, well, clearly you don't listen to CMR because you would have known that was going to happen because they have a policy of the mask. The shield is like, you might as well almost not be wearing anything. We've showed you guys a demonstration, the scientific evidence of how little protection that offers. Now I get it. It's not easy wearing a mask. It's easier to put on a shield. You know, you can breathe easier, but that's the problem. <laughs> so that breathing easier lets all of the COVID droplets escape as well as whatever coming in. So it's not much protection for you and certainly not for other people. So do what you need to do, folks. Have your like COVID checklist of the things that you need to do. Constant washing of your hands, um, disinfecting your areas. You know, big shout out to reliable supplies because folks, if you are in an office environment, if you, um, you know, are at home or in schools, you need to ensure that your staff have the tools that they need to sanitize the environment, 
to keep themselves clean and COVID free as much as possible. So what are some of the things that you can do? Get all of your, your products that you need, right? So Purell products are available from Reliable. Purell hand sanitizer products are available at Reliable Supplies. Contact us today for Purell hand wipes that are convenient to carry with you or alcohol-based hand sanitizer pump, ideal for offices, schools, and homes. Contact Reliable Supplies today to get your COVID-19 supply at 949-9303 or stop by our showroom centrally located off Compass Drive. All right. If you are in a more public environment and you need to sanitize the workspace a little bit more, they even have these special electric sanitizing machines. You can certainly contact them for more information, but here's a little video on how it works. Now, folks, of course we know that this is an airborne virus, right? It circulates in the air. And there's certain things, singing, going to church, and you're singing and projecting, exercising in the gym. There's certain things in the bars that will increase your chances. So should you be having a party right now? I wouldn't recommend it. Um, should you be hanging out with people playing dominoes every single weekend with 50 of your closest friends? I wouldn't recommend it. So um, what's confusing? Okay, so Jamelia says, but when coming back, you won't have to cry. So Andrea, the only question I have is, are you traveling with children? Because if you're vaccinated and came in, even if you travel to Jamaica, so that was a question that, that we just got answered. Um, basically, no quarantine if vaccinated and came in. Now, if I thought you were traveling with children, but if you're not traveling with children, you're good. You can go home and come back. So Jackie says, good morning. Just a question. Does Honduras have to still uh, make the dear COVID test down there, uh, which is 5,000? I guess that's, what's the money in Honduras? Rupees? No, that's Indian money, right? Um, what, what is the money in Honduras? Uh... What's your what's the what's the money called? Anybody? Five thousand um, pesos. Is it pesos or is that Cuba? <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, lots of money for us, please. Okay, so you still have to do a PCR test in advance of coming. Seventy-two hours. Yes. Um, Joy Sand says that's true. The experts we need to listen to. I've gotten people private messaging me saying that they loved that I shared the preemie story. Blissful Powell says I had a preemie at 23 weeks gestational. So I'm very aware of this experience. My preemie was one pound, 13 ounces. Oh, Jesus is a wonderful God. He's now 11 years old. Wow. Listen, I know the challenges of like looking at and dealing with a four pound, one ounce baby. They're so tiny, their little hands, and you feel like, oh my gosh, don't touch them. You might break something. A one pound baby, not even two pounds. 
oh, blissful power, my heart goes out to you because I would have been so scared to do anything with that baby. But you know what? In the moment, you just rise to the occasion. It's so crazy. We all think that we're going to break under pressure. We're not going to be able to do this. And I always say, listen, not only do you rise to the occasion, sometimes you will surprise yourself. And remember, in life, there's always someone who has it worse than you, no matter what you're going through. There's always someone who has it better than you, perhaps, but there's always someone who has it worse than you. And so you got to be able to keep things um, in perspective. So Louis is looking for another cup of hot tea. What's needed to see my travel mug? We can spill the tea with it. Um, just that it can't be hot when it's done. Uh, Schwan says, good morning. My niece was born at 20 weeks and three days, and we're now preparing for birthday number two. She's walking, talking, and feeding herself. She's amazing, and her original doctors wanted to terminate, but if it, but it wasn't even an option for her parents. Prayer and education is vital. So, wow, that's an amazing story. Thank you for um, sharing that. And, you know, it's, it, is a, it is a really tough situation, um, I think, when it comes to these types of things, because doctors don't always know. You know, like I said, it's not a perfected science. And so sometimes they will tell you, you know, like in my case, we have concerns, but they were saying the whole time, we don't really know. We don't know what's going on. Second opinion said, definite concerns, but we don't see anything, so we don't know. So, you know, my attitude, uh, Schwan, was like, listen, I'm not going to terminate the pregnancy and I will just have to live with whatever comes with that, you know? So, um, you know, I think that, and then there've been other instances where the doctors have been a thousand percent right. Um, there was a baby, you know, you guys know um, John Felder. Um, he is a guy who had sued me and we're going through that process now of appealing that, but one of the things he put in his bundle is that his daughter had a preemie baby, which had nothing to do with this case, by the way. It was trying to play in the sympathies of the court. And this was long before, you know, he, he claims that this is the reason why he left Cayman is because his daughter had a preemie baby with severe issues. And in that case, the doctor said to her, I can't remember exactly what was wrong with the baby, but they knew that this baby will not survive. And they're like, you know, we would recommend terminating the pregnancy because sometimes what ends up happening is having a baby that has significant birth defects and significant issues, not only is the baby eventually going to die, but you're going to mount a million dollar medical bill. And you also put the mother's health at risk because given birth under those circumstances can, you know, double your chances of having an issue as well. Well, she decided to go through with it. And so in his court bundle, quite ironically, he blew up a full page color photo of this child hooked up to more tubes than you've ever seen. And somehow that's my fault, which I don't, I don't know what the legal link was, evidentially what that was all about. But, you know, he was just trying to be playing the court sympathies, right? And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, the baby ended up dying, you know, and the baby was in the hospital for months and months and months. And there was no prognosis of this child ever being survivable, ever being able to leave the hospital. So sometimes the doctors know exactly what they're talking about. They can see like, okay, this is a birth defect. We know if the child has, um, you know, these issues, we can see the child's going to have Down syndrome. We can see this, we can see that, you know, um, oh my gosh, what? 
Okay, I just got some news. I'm going to tell you guys this. Get permission for us to share this. Oh my gosh, that's good. So yes, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you've got to, um, I always say when it comes to like the major life decisions, uh, medically speaking, you know, get, get the advice, get the second advice, get the third advice and feel comfortable with the physicians that are giving you the information. So um, Shereen Bose says, I cried so hard. My mom was like, um, what happened? I said, mommy, the baby born. And she's like, oh my God, I understand. And I had a C-section too. Um, I think I might've missed, did I miss your, did you post before that? Um, I think I might've missed that one. All right. Uh, Josephine says, I had all of my kids, um, one normal and three C-section, and I was up the next day walking and caring for my baby. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy thing, um, folks, to have a C-section. And you know what ended up happening to me? This is so weird. But at the time, we lived in an apartment. And so because it was difficult to climb stairs after C-section, like the first week I was out and driving, and people were like, how are you driving a week after C-section? I was like, Things got to happen. Things got to get done. Um, but, you know, you have to know your limitations. So I was sleeping um, downstairs and the baby was still in the NICU for the first month. So we would have to go to the hospital every couple hours. We were like going for feedings and we were, listen, those were some rough days. No sleep, no, you know, but you're up and down to and from the hospital. And I must say that my husband, Marlon, amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, he was always there. He was like, tell him work, listen, I got to go to the hospital right now. I got to go see the baby. It's feeding time. You know, he was there. He was the first one who made that baby smile in the NICU. Now, I know they say babies can't really. Um, their response is like an auto response. So they're not really smiling. But listen, the first thing he said to her, he was like joking with her. And that baby literally cracked a smile. I'm like, I don't care what the doctors say. That was a smile to me, you know, because she would have recognized his voice because she would listen. He was always teasing her throughout the pre pregnancy and getting her to kick and do all sorts of stuff. That was just like crazy. So, um, you know, I was sleeping on the sofa downstairs to try and like, OK, I'm just going to get some sleep. And Dr. Sydney can tell you, by the way, my blood pressure went up during this time and I had to be put on blood pressure medication. And during that first two months, I literally had a headache every single day. And I was like, what the hell is this? So we checked my blood pressure. It was a little bit elevated. So I think we're kind of thinking like, maybe that's what it is, whatever. But for years, I kept getting these headaches. Like it was just, and the regular headache medications weren't really doing anything. So finally, Dr. Sydney said, you know what? I think you need to go and see a specialist for this. You know, do a brain scan. So let's rule out like anything super serious. Of course, you always think, oh my God, I got a brain tumor or whatever. He's like, do a brain scan. Let's rule out anything like that. And then go see um, the, well, what's the surgeon's name? Um, Dr. Stanley, I think is his name. He's a, is he a neuro, what's, what's his title? I can't remember. But anyway, he's a surgeon, deals with the brain and whatever, right? So I went to see him. Of course, he reviews everything. And he says, actually, you know what you have? And I'm like, oh, you know? Because it would like go away and then it would like come back. So he said, and then it would last forever, like days on end, right? And he said, yeah. He said, you actually have 
something called, um, I think it's called, let me see if I can pronounce it correctly. Occipital neuropathy. So occipital neuropathy. So basically the occipital nerve runs, um, so it's called, so it runs through the scalp, right? And that nerve can get injured or inflamed and it causes headaches. So this is how it's described um, according to the American Association of Neurology. So it says it causes um, headaches that feel like severe piercing, throbbing, or shock-like pain in the upper neck and back of the head and behind the ears. So this is like legit, not a good feeling. And this is what Dr. Stanley diagnosed me with. He says, you have occipital neuralgia. And um, he says, you know, it probably came on because when I told him, you know, they again, the history, when did it start? Did it there? He said, what likely happened is because you were sleeping on the sofa those first couple of months and you're probably sleeping in a very unusual position, you essentially uh, pinch the nerve or damage the nerve or whatever. And um, that is what caused it to come on during that particular time. So here I was thinking it was related to the pregnancy when in fact it was just more of a coincidence because I had just been sleeping in a position where the neck probably wasn't, you know, uh, as relaxed and in the best position that it should have been. So I pinched that nerve somehow. And that is what it led to. So um, he said, you know, sometimes it can be a secondary condition that's that's related to other underlying diseases. But of course, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. So it's just trauma or damage to the occipital nerve. And um, sure enough, I did say to him, you know, I do feel like when I put pressure on it, it eases it up. Or if I go get a massage or something in the neck area, it does help. And so he said, yep. And what's the treatment for it? He said, we can give you an injection right in the nerve. So he actually had a sitting prescription there at his office for me. And he said, you know, anytime you get it, come in and we'll give you a shot in the occipital nerve. And I'm thinking, oh my God, an injection in the neck just doesn't sound like a fun party for me. So I said, okay, well, now that I know what it is, that certainly helps, right? So I'm not as worried as I was before. And essentially, um, you know, we did the MRI and everything else. And I said, mm, um, I'll just wait and see. So there's no cure for this. And, you know, you can do heat, you can do massage therapy, um, take anti-inflammatory and muscle relaxants. And then of course there is this Botox injection is basically what it is. And they put that right in the nerve and it helps to decrease the inflammation of the nerve. There's also more dramatic things like surgery, I guess, for people who have a constant issue with it. And um, I haven't had it recently, thank God. But I'm like, yeah, if it gets really bad, I guess I'll consider the injection, but I'm not there yet. Good morning, uh, Alida. Andre says you're a very strong woman. Um, so, oh. Limpiras. Thank you, Darren. Um, so I just got a message. No, it's called Limpiras. So 5,000 Limpiras. How much is that in the US? I have no clue. So if you're unvaccinated in Cayman and coming back from Jamaica, you still have to quarantine. Yes. Yes. So um, let me just remind you all. So let's go back to the, um, 
what is the website again? Hold on one second. Yeah, so let's just remind ourselves of the rules. And we have some answers from the Travel Cayman folks, so we will get to those here in a second. Um, so the website is travelcayman.gov.ky, okay? So we went over this on yesterday's show, so have a look at yesterday's show in case you missed it. But the gist of it is this. If you are... Oh yeah, we had signed up for the for the site as well. We did sign up for for. Um, oh, let me see if I can log back in. So I'm gonna sign in. Yep, here we go. So remember, I went through and I signed up for the portal and everything yesterday. So all good. And then you get it takes you to the screen. Welcome to Travel Cayman. So there's two options now for entering as of the twentieth. So you've got the travel declaration, which is a certificate to travel issued by Cayman, by Travel Cayman, when you have a secure verification of vaccinated travelers. So this is the criteria for it to be secured. So you have to fulfill all of the following requirements. Be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 at least two weeks prior to the date of arrival in the Cayman Islands. Have taken a course of one of the World Health Organization's approved vaccines, which it looks like everybody's pretty much on that list now hold a digital copy of a securely verifiable um, vaccination. And they tell you what that is. So that's the one with the unique QR code. And meet the Cayman Islands Fair for entry requirements and regulations. So remember we clicked on that yesterday and then we went through exactly what that is. So you still got a PCR test, right? 72 hours. This is pre-arrival. This is what's required for testing. Um, you still have to do, um, quarantine exit PCR required for all travelers and their quarantine companions. So this is if you're in quarantine. And then travelers who are not required to quarantine are supposed to do a lateral flow test on days two, five, and 10. Then there's travel. Who can travel? So we went through all of this yesterday. So let me just put this link in the chat section here for your benefit, folks. Go ahead and have a look at it. So no cruise travelers or unvaccinated tourists which include unvaccinated tourist children. All vaccinated travelers, secure and non-secure verifiable can now come in. Unvaccinated returning residents, Caymanians, were permit holders. Unvaccinated visitors who have close ties to the islands and they define that for you. Travelers below the age of 18 that are vaccinated with one dose, traveling from a jurisdiction that will only allow one dose for that age group. Then you have to do the travel application. And then of course, depending on whether you're quarantining or not, transportation might be a consideration. For quarantine, you've got 14 day options. So 14 days for unvaccinated adult travelers and travel partners with unvaccinated minors. So I understand that a lot of you are still having a bit of an issue with this, but this is where, where it is still. 10 days quarantine for non-securely verifiable vaccinated travelers who are traveling from a country with the vaccination rate below 60%, okay? GPS tracking, we sent a question about that. We'll look at the questions here in a second. Location, so you can still do approve private residence and of course, government facilities with the reminder that government isn't gonna pay for you unless it's considered essential travel. Um, so good morning to Stacy. 
Can, could you clarify at the press conference later, the other person staying in the same house as a fully vaccinated but unverified traveler, i.e. traveler doesn't have a QR code and coming from a country that is yet 60%, have to quarantine the whole time with the traveler? So let me just understand. The other person staying in the same household as a fully vaccinated but unverified traveler. Okay. So in other words, you're traveling, Stacey, just as an example, with someone from Jamaica, but you're okay, like you're verified. Like say you got, say you got um, tested or you got vaccinated in Cayman and then you would have gone um, to Jamaica and say you're bringing your mom back home with you. So you're bringing mom from overseas then this is kind of that situation. So she's going to be staying with you. Your question is, you know, she's not in a country that's 60%. Do you have to quarantine with her? All right, let me see if we can get a response to this while we're doing the show, actually. Um, let's see. All right, so in relation to our other questions, um, the government has purchased GPS wristbands to cover the forecasted numbers of potential persons who will quarantine. Okay, so they're anticipating that they're going to have enough of those. All right, um, I will ask a secondary question in terms of how many do we have. Um, the timeline for media to receive this information. Okay, in relation to the image, quarantine will only be required for persons that we cannot securely verify their vaccination information. Okay, that still doesn't answer. Um, so that doesn't really tell me about the, um, timeline for media. That doesn't really, Okay. In relation to the image, quarantine will be required for persons who have been securely verified. So this person was saying 10 days quarantine for non-securely verifiable access of the country. <clears throat> so quarantine will only be required for persons that we cannot securely verify their vaccination. Well, um, non-securely verified. So that's a bit confusing. Um, hold on, let me get some clarity in this. Okay, let me just clarify something about about the um, the secure verification specific to Jamaica, because obviously Jamaica would have a lot of people coming, especially for the holidays and stuff, right? So Soka says two C sections, nine and a half pounds. Whoa, 
So if I had bowling balls for babies, nine and a half pounds and 9.5 pounds, they induced me for hours, one centimeter, L-M-A-O, nope, not here. Find another way out. He was overdue, was a little too comfortable in there. Second was due on November 8th. I hopped in the plane November 5th. I'm surprised they allow you to travel so close to delivery time um, for my scheduled C-section. Um, agent asked, how far along are you? About six months? I replied, yeah, something like that. I was so lucky, no pregnancy issues, and I was strong as an oxygen pregnancy. Climbed the fence at the old dog pound at seven months. Lord, girl. Um, thank you so much, Lempiras. Um, yes. So, yeah, because I asked yesterday and they say quarantine is a must, but now I understand because I'm vaccinated and came in from August. Okay. So hopefully it's been clarified for you. Clear as mud, as they say sometimes. Um, so Soka says, I heard you say yesterday that you had bleach to wash dishes. Never add bleach to wash dishes that is, as it emits hazardous fumes. Some dish liquids even say it on the bottle. I hate the scent of bleach. I use the solid blocks now for some laundry. What can you put to disinfect your, um, your dishes? Like if you want a little extra. Thank you, Kay Sky. Um, Paulette, can someone please say where and when the vaccine clinics are? Need to get your booster shots. I can tell you. Today is what day is today? Today is Thursday. My gosh, the week is over. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask Blake and Aaron about what the song date will be for tomorrow, the year. All right, so today is the 18th. So today they are at the Prospect Community Office. 33 Marina Drive from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. Tomorrow, they're back at Caymana Bay at 10 a.m. until 1.30 and then 3 to 6. And that is, is that does that say Conella Court um, adjacent to the Observation Tower? Then they're in the Sister Islands tomorrow at the Ashton Ruddy Center from 2 to 4. Folks on the Sister Islands actually have a higher vaccination rate than we do. They're in the 80-something percentile already. But get it. Get it, Cayman Brack and Little Cayman. Um, they've had no new positive reported in the last set of numbers. So good for them. Um, Natasha says, every country has a, free, a fee for the exit. PCR tests and those costs varies, just like you have to put money aside for baggage allowances, travelers will need to do the same for their PCR departure test. And not only that, folks, remember now that if you're coming in as a visitor, you also need to have um, travel insurance. So I need to confirm something with that, but I think that they're going to be um, verifying that as well. Um, okay, so let me just see here. Yeah, Natasha, I mean, this is all part of traveling now. You got to have your little money set aside. Um, so because says I met a lady some time ago who was with her son, he was very tall, and I said he should get into basketball. She surprised me, um, saying that he was actually a preemie. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think some preemies have like a growth, um, what's it called, a growth. 
sprout, yeah, where they will shoot up and they'll catch up with with their other counterparts and stuff. Um, so um, I just reached out to Ellie that I was just telling you guys about the baby, and guess what? They're actually expecting a baby girl in February. She says we're actually pregnant and do a little baby girl in February. That is so exciting. Oh, good for them. Um, some parts of the USA pay $190 each PCR test. Hopefully as we go on, these things will get less expensive. But Sue says she can't afford to travel right now. Uh, a week, we were at the mall the day we left the hospital. Oh my gosh, Soka, you're crazy. Like the doctor told me the baby's healthy enough to leave the hospital. They're healthy enough to be anywhere. Child, I'm a little bit old fashioned though with that kind of stuff. I got to tell you, I'm like them old people who are like, don't take the baby out for a month. Don't, don't make them go around people to get all their germs. Wait till they get some of their shots. I was like, you can't see the baby yet. You know, them old people be like, stay home, stay home with the baby. I might've been out and about, but I'm like, keep the baby at home. Um... So Carol says the whole drama of paperwork and getting tests done in time for flights and the prospects of getting COVID whilst away and being stuck somewhere has put me off of traveling completely. I agree because listen, here's the thing about it, Carol. If you go in and you get tested positive, you know you can't get back on a plane and come back home. So you're absolutely right. Um, things may not go according to plan. So I'm with you there, girl. I'm just like, mm, I'll wait. You know, thank God for AeroPost because I can still do what I got to do on Amazon. It's going to be an interesting Christmas, but AeroPost has got me covered. Speaking of AeroPost, shout out to them. folks i did not even realize the time look at that we're completely out of time uh when caymanians travel they have to verify their vaccination status when departing do they have to do it again to return well i'm guessing jerry that part of the um authorization process because remember now that even unvaccinated caymanians um have to return home <laughs> right so they are allowed to travel uh, but I would think that the portal, and we'll confirm, saves your details. And that's why they've asked you to create a username and password so that every time you go in, that information is actually saved. But just out of an abundance of caution, um, I'll ask. And I will revert back to you on that tomorrow. Um, so that's a good question. Thank you, Jerry. And Soka is reminding people that, yeah, sometimes you do go away to travel. And, um, you know, you got to remember that you might actually get stuck somewhere and you might have a extended vacation beyond what you planned. Hmm. That should be interesting. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into the program. As always, you're most welcome, Jerry. We'll tune in tomorrow and all the questions that we had today follow up. We'll get press conference 3 p.m. Uh, we'll definitely be streaming it here on CMR live. Um, any questions that you may have, send the questions to me. I hope they're going to keep the two question um, minimum, by the way, for media. Um, so, you know, 
So, oh yes, media says, I was instructed last night to ask you to limit yourselves to four questions at today's presser. You may submit all other questions by email. So media has been infor informed in advance that they get a four question max, okay? So four questions. Last time it was two. Maybe that was a little bit restricted, but I think four is more than enough for all the media houses in Cayman, my God. And some of them get so greedy with the questions. Four questions, listen. Um, credit to a lot of the government agencies, when you do email them, as you can see, I'm getting responses like in real time, like they do respond to you. So, you know, just send in your, it's, it's like a grandstanding thing, I think. Like some media feel like they have to get up there and ask questions in real time to be like, oh, look at me, I'm asking a question. Because some of the questions don't even make any sense. Some of the questions were already answered. I'm looking at them like, were you not paying attention to what was just said? Because you didn't have to ask that question. So what's the point? Anyway, um, so four questions. We don't normally have four questions, but if you have something that you're burning to know and we can't find out any other way, we'll ask you at the press conference. So send your questions, 324-1612 via WhatsApp. Don't forget, folks, if you want to join the WhatsApp group, you can certainly do that as well. All right, um, Lampiras, 5,000 Lampiras is $173.24. That's Cayman Islands dollars. So um, it's definitely not cheap, that's for sure. And this is so interesting. Um, my mother-in-law just sent me a picture this morning um, of my father-in-law when he first, the first, first, first time that he met Gianna, since we're talking about babies and we're talking about, you know, when she was born and stuff like this. So he came not long after. Um, well, actually, she must have been like co close to her birthday. He, they came. Was it close to her birthday? Um, so this is the first picture of the two of them together. And oh my gosh, cutest little thing ever. This was literally from the airport. Came and saw his little, his latest little grandbaby. Got to hold her for the first time. And there she is with grandpa. Um, he's no longer with us, but you know, these memories last forever in the former's photos. Now here's the irony of it. Just last night on our Alexa devices, they scrolled through like a bunch of pictures. My husband, he's a tech manager of the household. So he does all that stuff. And this picture came up last night on Alexa and Gianna said, oh, that's me and grandpa. Now I don't think she remembers a whole lot about him because he passed away at the start of 2020 during the COVID pandemic. She would have been, I mean, she was, she was still three, right? So, you know, a three-year-old's memory, but she saw this picture and she's like, there's grandpa and me. And I said, yeah, that is you and grandpa. She hasn't really talked about his death, but she knows that she, she knows that he's died. She's like, oh, grandpa's died. But I don't think it was traumatic for her because she didn't really, you know, at the time we didn't really kind of focus on even like making her part of the grieving process, if that makes any sense. But there she is with grandpa, cutest little thing ever. And that was his first time. I'm getting to hold Gianna. Yeah. So there you go. He was so happy about her. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you the, the interesting story one day about the whole pregnancy thing, like how we actually got pregnant after like over a year of trying. Very, very interesting story. But there's grandpa. It's so weird that we were just looking at that photo last night and Gianna commented on the photo and then grandma this morning, I'm telling you, there's a little bit of psychic thing going on there. She um, sends that to us. So yeah. 
All right, folks, um, thank you guys so much for tuning in as usual. Um, I do have lots of work to do. Like I said, I'm gonna be keeping a low profile at home. Um, today, I've got tons of paperwork. Oh, the papers and all that stuff that you gotta do and the QuickBooks and this and that. I'll spend some time on all those wonderful things today. Uh, we have a backyard, so I'm gonna go out and get some fresh air in the backyard as well. I've got a pickleball set. Uh, that I purchased at Cost You Less last week. I've never played pickleball in my life, but it looks like fun. So Marlon has set that up. I'm going to do that in the backyard with Gigi, get some fresh air and a little bit of run around. And I think we're going to be good. So I'm Mayless. Thank you. I'll um, get that answered a little bit later on. All right, beautiful folks. Have a wonderful day and um, see you guys tomorrow morning if all goes well. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 